continue our study, what we've started. And uh, I'm going to be jumping all over the place with Scripture. So hopefully you have been writing these down. And I apologize for not taking the time to kind of uh, give you the time to move to the, to the pages and read it. Hopefully you can go back and revisit. Um, but there is so much to try to cover. Uh, and um, I'm going to do my best to try to, to try to cover these things in a timely manner. But uh, the Lord always uh, makes up the difference. And uh, I know that he makes up the difference when it comes to uh, me not being able to <laughs> slow down. So I apologize for that. But we've, we've been talking about uh, being equipped for the journey. And so today is the start uh, of the, I guess it's the start. Um, it's a continuation, but it's the start of another, another subtopic. And uh, uh, it's probably going to be, uh, there's probably going to be a couple parts with this. Um, because I didn't even get to where um, I didn't even get to where I had uh, <laughs> a numerous amount of scriptures. But so the subtopic is going to be walking towards eternity. So equipped for the journey, walking towards eternity. He has called. We have listened and obeyed, and we have built altars. We have willingly accepted the invitation of being adopted by our Heavenly Father. It's an adoption, but it's also a marriage. It's you and I moving to become one with Jesus. It's the fulfillment of God found in Acts 15 and 14. Verse 14, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to do what? To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. His name is Jesus. He will save his people from their sin and bring them into a kingdom that has no end. And he will be their king and he will reign forever. There is nothing to worry about. We are becoming one with our king. And by doing this, we will reign with Him. 2 Timothy 2 and 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, also will deny, He will deny, He will also, He also will deny us. And 1 Peter 2 and 21. For even hereunto where ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example 
that ye should follow his steps. We have packed our suitcases with the necessities. So far we have an altar. And that's the most important thing uh, that we can have to get started in our journey is the altar. Amen. And I believe that's why the Lord has called us as disciples. He has called us to, to, to be in the ministry of discipling. But the most important uh, uh, start in a, in a young convert's life is having an altar in their life. It's not to get them to look a certain way. It's to get them to learn how to build altars. Build the altar for themselves. So far we have an altar. We have ears that hear and obey. And a made up mind to fight against the desires of the flesh. And the things that come into our mind to fill us with ungodly thoughts that will eventually bear ungodly fruit if not brought into captivity. So the altar and the obedience of hearing the instruction at that altar is to help us uh, fight against the, the thoughts and the mindset that's contrary to the will of God and contrary to His purpose. Now we must focus on the next thing required for the journey and that's actually leaving for the destination. Who packs their bags to just stay at home? Get all ready, get prepared only to just go sit on the couch and look at the suitcases, look at the bags. We actually have to leave the house. The word journey actually means what are you waiting for? No, it, it, but it does mean traveling from one place to another. So in layman's terms, I guess you could say, what are you waiting for? Let's get moving. You know, the anxiety of getting everything together uh, you know, uh, making sure that you remembered everything and you got everything packed. Uh, you know, there's an excitement of actually leaving to set out for the destination. So that means that we have to move. And guess what? He gave us two feet to make it happen. Jesus did say to follow him. And you know, we sing that wonderful song, Where he leads me, I will follow. Some people won't follow Jesus because his steps have blood in them. There is pain and suffering, isolation and loneliness. But if I follow those blood-stained steps, I know that every step I take is covered. Through the lashes and, lashes and imprisonments and even death, I am still covered as long as I'm following the blood-stained footsteps. 
If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. But woe to them who deny the steps we have been called to follow. Revelation 2 verses 10 and 11. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh, not he that waits uh, with their bags packed uh, sitting in the lobby. No, he that overcometh uh, shall not be hurt of the second death. We have been called into a covenant and within this covenant there are exceeding great and precious promises. There is safety and provision. There is favor. There are many things that we are blessed with and enjoy in this life. But it is not our reward. He is our reward. I am in this covenant, not for the blessings, but knowing that He is my reward. If I understand what I'm getting, I will walk through whatever I have to to get there. We have to understand who it is that we're living for and what it is that we're headed towards. We can sit with Jesus in heavenly places now, but we can't stay there the way that we will stay there. What we have now is a taste. It's a snippet. It's a sneak preview to what eternity is going to be like. We have these moments where the Lord shows up and He does amazing supernatural things in our midst. But that is not the apex of our relationship. That is not the full inheritance. We cannot stay here. And only focus on those moments that we have with our God. Those moments are to help us get closer to Him. And help us learn how to follow those footsteps. There has to be that willingness to, to embrace the words that God would speak to His people that would help them stay within the covered footsteps He left behind for us. For now, our moments with Him are not what they will be. For now we suffer. But let me tell you that our, our light affliction is momentary. The suffering, the little bit of suffering that we experience in this life is only momentary. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18. I want to read this to you in the uh, ESV. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self 
is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The light affliction that I face cannot compare to the eternal work that is being done in each and every one of us that has been born of water and spirit, that has stepped into the new covenant, that has committed their ways to Him. Paul called the steps of suffering light. And the word light used here means easy. I don't know if that did to you what it did to me when I consider suffering being called easy. Paul either knew suffering or he had no clue. But we can kind of summarize the things that Paul experienced. Stripes, prisons, beaten, Stoned, shipwrecked, perils of waters, robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil. How many are weary? Can I speak to the weary for a moment? It is a light affliction. It's but for a moment. And you hang on to Jesus because there is an eternal work that is being done in your life. You won't always be weary. You won't always be wrestling. You won't always be faced with temptation. Our light affliction is only for a moment. In sleeplessness often... In hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. These sound pretty serious to us, but in the scope of eternity and knowing that at the end of his course, Paul was confident in his reward that awaited him, but not only him, but those who would finish their course in the same footprints. I've got to go to the end of my course and stay within the footprints that are covered because I know that there is a reward that awaits me. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 6, six through 8. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm looking into the face of eternity and I see it. And I'm not afraid of what's beyond this life. I have fought all the way up to the end just for this moment. To hold on to the end for this moment. To endure to the end for this moment. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Hence
henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that loves that loves his appearing we're fighting through all the turmoil through all the chaos through all the trouble and we're holding on to Jesus because there is a reward at the end of all the struggle at the end of all the turmoil after all the sleeplessness after all the feelings of isolation and loneliness and discouragement and pain and suffering I'm living not for the moment I'm living for the return of my king Why don't we love the Lord for a moment? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I'm living, Lord, for you. That I may hang on to you all of my days. Oh, for the reward that awaits all those who are looking for your appearing, God. Yes. Yes. The race that Paul finished required movement. It wasn't just symbolic. He had to walk through the steps left for him by Jesus because there was a commission. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It requires movement. It requires walking. Some think that once they get through the once they get through the door that they can just hang out in the lobby or hang out in the waiting room. Until that call is made. But that's not faith. How can I show God my faith by just standing still? There are moments that we must stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, but there are so many there are so many uh, uh, commandments and instructive words that say go, walk, move, do something. Hanging out in the lobby is not faith. Keeping church a two times a week thing and never doing anything on the outside for the kingdom of God is not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith given to us through His Word is described as a walk. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2 through 8 I want to read this in the 
ESV. For in this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For why, while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We do have a guarantee in this life, but it comes through the obedience of listening for what the Spirit would say to the church, for what the Spirit would say through my life. If I listen to that voice, if I do have an altar and I'm listening for the voice of the Lord and I'm not questioning what He requires of my steps, but I'm willing to step out and step toward the call and the will of God in my life, I know that I have a guarantee Verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I would much rather be away from this body and present with the Lord, but it hasn't happened yet, and I'm still here. So what I have to do is remain focused at the end result, at the end, the destination of the journey that I'm on. I've got to keep looking toward heaven. I've got to keep looking toward that day, and when He appears, I want to be found waiting and loving His return. We are in this tent, sojourners, and sojourners means temporary. It means I'm only passing through this life, walking toward eternity. I'm not going to sink my tent pegs here because he is calling me to keep moving. He's calling me to keep marching. Don't stop walking. Look for the footprints. Stay in the race. The course may be unfamiliar to you, but there are already footsteps that have finished their race. We have footprints before us that we are walking with. We're not stepping out and, and making our own course. We're not forging our own path or our own way to eternity. No, we're marking the course. We're walking the course that has already been marked and has already has footprints in it from those faithful that have already gone to meet their reward I'm following the same footsteps that Jesus led behind because I know those steps lead to heaven those steps lead to the place that he has prepared for those who make themselves ready Hebrews 11, verses 7 through 10. We, 
we, we know this book. We preach about it. We teach about it a lot. But let me try to do my best to give you something else, if that's even possible. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Noah moved with fear for the saving of his house. He didn't respond to the instructions with skepticism. He responded with movement. Abraham moved when he was called to go to a place called inheritance. I don't know if that did the same thing for you as it did for me. Abraham moved because of an inheritance that God had spoken to him because of a promise. I'm moving today because of a promise, because of a full inheritance. I've got the down payment. I've got the taste of eternity. I've got the goodness of God and the favor of God in my life working to do uh, something eternal in me. Oh, and I've got an idea of what heaven might be like. Uh, The eternity that awaits all those uh, who are preparing themselves now. I believe that God has something for you and I. And when He says to move, we must be willing to move, to respond with faith because of the inheritance. I don't move just because... God has a position for me in this life. Uh, I don't only move because I have it all together and have it all figured out. No, but if I've got my mind on the city whose builder and maker is God, when he asks me to move, I'm going to step toward my inheritance. Abraham did not know where he was going. But faith, faith doesn't need MapQuest or Garmin or Siri that we so heavily rely on. Listen, I'll get it out and I'll say, hey Siri, take me to such and such, you know, and sometimes she gets it right, sometimes she doesn't. But that's not faith. That's relying on something else. That's trusting something else to navigate, to instruct. When it comes to our journey, faith says, if you ask me to move, God, 
I don't need all the details. I don't need to know how many hours or how many minutes it's going to take to get there. I just got to be willing to step out and let you lead me because that's what faith is. Willing to step out and to move toward our destination. Faith is moving while trusting that God has prepared the way and He has my feet. Because that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about feet. Remember how I explained this, how I just had some words, ears, mouth, eyes, thoughts, mind, feet, feet, steps, walk. That's what we're covering today. Movement. I move because I know that He has my feet. He has, he has it prepared for me. As long as I stay, near, I, I stay close to my altar, I stay close to the, to, the, to the one who will speak to me and lead me, and I stay in submission to His Word, I know that each step is prepared. Each step is, is, is ordained. Each step it gets closer and closer to the will of God and the purpose of God. Each step, He has my feet. From Noah to the promised land, God had a path to the destination. But people don't always stay on course. We sometimes fail to stay on course because we decide to take a long cut. That's what I call it when that impulse pushes you to go down a road you think might actually be quicker than the one that you're on. And then you find out, I'm still stuck behind the same people that I was behind on the road I should have never left. There's a, there's a bit of adventure and curiosity in some of the, time, some of the uh, moments that I take those long cuts. I wonder where this road goes. Oh, okay, over here it goes back to the same place I left. Come on now. <laughs> Proverbs 16 and 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. One commentary said this, As rational agents we think, consult, act freely, we are dependent agents, and the Lord exercises His own power in permitting, overruling, or furthering our actions. Thus, man proposes, and God disposes. What happens if we don't allow God to dispose of our plans? We wander. We stay somewhere longer than we need to. Remember, He is the way, so He knows how to get us to the promised land. He knows how to keep us on the right path, headed to the destination that we're on. 
Nehemiah 9, 12 through 21. I want to read this from the New King James Version. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. I'm going to make it easy for you to get there. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. I'm handing you everything that you need to step into the promise. We've got everything that we need today to step into the promise, to make it to the promised land that we are walking toward. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their, their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Even though the hardened hearts and the rebellion, the callous lies that never caused God to abandon his people it never caused him to forsake them it never caused them to remember where their feet were Even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, This is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud, uh, of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them the light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. We've got water today. We've got water from a well that will never run dry. We've got the, the, the well spring of wisdom and knowledge working in our life releasing instruction to us. We've got his spirit. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Although they were walking in the wrong direction and they were wandering around in circles, God still had their feet. He still had the, the, the steps ordered and he was trying to lead them back to a place where they would be covered. Even amid the wilderness, he has the location of our feet. 
He doesn't want any to wander. But when his people turn from him, they wander. Our feet slip when we allow things to remove us from ordered steps. That's why we've got to always come back to the altar. Because that's where we're going to find our footsteps. That's where we're going to see the footprints. We're going to see them at the altar. We're going to hear the words that direct us back to the path. We are flawed in our human efforts and we have, we, we have these moments of just, uh, it's like air gets trapped in our thinking and we're just like, oh, what was I doing? We're just human. But as long as we stay close to the altar, we can just return back to it and say, God, why did I have that moment? Why did I lose my way? Why did my steps slip? Where did I go wrong? Asaph writes of the struggles that we have with what we see. Remember, we walk by faith not by sight, not by what we see. I'm going to move not because of what I see. I'm going to move by what I know is true. And if I, and if I really do believe God has me and He has my feet and He knows my location, then when I move, I know that I'm covered as long as I stay within the footprints. Asaph writes in Psalm 73, verses 2 through 5. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. And I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. I can't tell you why the wicked prosperous and, and sometimes God's people are, are, are the ones that struggle. But I can tell you the wicked that are prosperous right now are, have already received their reward. We're, we're doing the opposite. We're walking through suffering. Walking uh, through the steps of suffering of blood, sweat, and tears. Because there is an, an, a, a reward that's eternal. That's, a, that's an eternity. Without any suffering. Without any pain. Without the isolation. Without the difficulties and the discouragements. And the problems and, 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 the, and the moments of frustration that we have. In the, I, I can't wait to get to that place. Because I know that the frustration will be over. 
The tribulations will be over. The persecution will be over. But I've got to hang on to Jesus through the process. I've got to stay focused on the destination and the place that I'm walking to. Until I was went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. When I go into the sanctuary, when I turn back to God through worship and communion with Him, I see their end. The wicked are on a slippery slope to destruction, but the righteous are on their way to their heavenly reward. When I look and see their end, I know that that's not my end. I know that that's not where I'm headed. And so it brings about clarity. I'm in the right place. I might not feel right, but I know that I'm right. I know where I'm going. Closing. The altar. Ears to hear his voice with obedience and submission to His instruction. A life that is submitted to Him. Mind, body, soul, strength, heart. All of me is in this thing. I'm all in. I'm making every effort. Every thought that comes into my mind, I'm bringing it into captivity. Every thought that's contrary to the will of God, I'm going to bring it into captivity. I'm not going to entertain things that I used to. Because I know they'll take me down a path where the footsteps disappear. Where the footprints disappear. So I, 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 I get rid of those things in my heart and mind. And then I move. If I'm all in, there's no question to the steps that I'm willing to take. If I'm all in, I will move. Because He's told me to move. He's told me to march. He's told me to follow. And I know that where He leads me, I will follow. I will follow Him into His will. Let's all stand. I'm going to continue this study uh, Wednesday because there's so much more that I want to talk about. God's Word is so uh, it's so relevant for our life and our journey. We don't have to look anywhere else. 
We don't need self-help books. I mean, you can read whatever you want to as long as you come back here for your instruction. You know, and uh, it's more than enough by itself. It's complete, and it'll help me get there. Amen. I know, I know that we are all in different uh, parts of the journey, but there's only one way. There's only one path. You're either on it or you're not. Amen. And I just want to stay on it. And while I'm in this life, I've got the grace and mercy to help me stay on it. As long as I just come back to my altar. I've got to always just come back to my altar. Amen. And you, you can build that altar anywhere you are, anywhere you feel lost, anywhere you feel discouraged, anywhere you feel like you're, you're, you're helpless and hopeless and, and need direction. You can build an altar right there and say, God, I need you. I need you to get me back on the path where I know my steps are covered and my feet are in a secure place. And the end is guaranteed. I mean, let's love the Lord for a moment here.